welcome to the latest edition of the See Me podcast, talking about the journey of the social movement to tackle mental health stigma and discrimination across Scotland. Today we're going to be chatting about workplaces, about peer support, uh, particularly around men's peer support groups that have been set up to encourage men to chat more about mental health and uh, to aid suicide prevention. Today I'm joined as always by Dee. Hello. Hello. Uh, We are also joined today by our health, social care and workplace manager, Patty. Hi, Patty. Hi there. And also joined by our monitoring researcher officer, Claire, who did the feature or uh, interview we've got coming up later is with Gary McDonald, one of our champions and workplace partners. And uh, Claire carried out this interview. Hello, I'm back. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was a wee while ago now, but looking forward to listening to it again. Yeah, it should be good. Um, this right. whole series in this podcast is about the the journey of the social movement, and we're really trying to give people ideas of what our partners, our volunteers, and people all around Scotland are doing to challenge mental health stigma and discrimination. Um, and we've got kind of more detail on some of the stories on the actual journey of the social movement report itself that we created, which you can find at report org. It's got loads of ideas of what other people have been doing. Gary's story is one of the ones that features on there, and his interview coming up is really interesting. Later, Gary's been on a, has, has been doing so much with CME over the past few years in various levels. He's one of our community champions, one of our quite active community champions. Um, he's linked in with us on stuff to do with men's mental health, which led to him creating his his own group, uh, and he has also done a lot with the workplace program we worked with patty and her team over the last few years uh with his workplace and one really interesting thing that he talks about in his interview is how they wanted to make sure see they've got a large customer facing element to gary's workplace and they wanted to make sure as well that they looked after not just that and we're aware of that but also with their staff's mental health as well and Patty, with all the different types of workplaces that we have who work with us, what do you, why do you think it's so important that staff's mental health is really looked at and how that can then benefit if they are, if they've got customers in that whose who's mental health they need to be aware of as well? Like, see, Gary's the DWP that is similar for people working in health and social care as well. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where if you're not letting yourself um, open up about your own mental health how likely are you in terms of um, supporting other people's mental health a lot of the work that particularly DWP um, and others alike do in relation to customers is supporting them with very um, challenging um, situations life uh, conditions and um, in relation to financial you know well-being and if if people are coming uh, to them in crisis um, if they're not in a place where they are comfortable talking about their mental health how are they going to support those that you know are struggling uh, in our customers so as a workplace DWP in this uh, case um, have the uh, the duty to support their employees um, not just in being able to confidently have those conversations with customers but also to be able to debrief and look after themselves so if they don't have a good support mechanism for that to happen then they are failing not just their employees but customers and i think that gary uh being a champion with us and 
and having his own experience of struggling with his mental health and understand that's obviously been such a great champion within DWP for pushing that forward. And Claire, what kind of sense did you get? And we'll hear it later, but from Gary, just how much kind of having this interest, this passion for, for mental health and tackling stigma, how much that's kind of not only developed his work with DWP, but also himself as well. Yeah, most definitely. He, um, so he spoke a lot, which I'll come on to, um, spoke a lot about peer support and how that helped him um, to start with, the, how, how finding to start with people that actually he's not alone and other people have been through this and how that started him on his, like, his empowerment realistically and figuring out not only can this help himself and his well-being is he can help others and their well-being and how that then came into his workplace after that and how he was able to help his colleagues and push this agenda forwards within the workplace was amazing um and yeah to the extent that uh, there's been job opportunities opened for him because he is so passionate about talking about this about making his workplace better for not just him but everyone in it and they've recognized that so much um which I think is fantastic and um his progression through his career has taken what he described as a different turn he doesn't know whether or not he would have gone down that route if it hadn't been for the training and um for the champions training and the empowerment side of things um he likes to think it would have but um he's also like is feels like he's got that foundational knowledge of stigma and discrimination now that he can take pretty much anywhere whether it be into his workplace for those different types of careers, whether it's, as we'll talk later, about the support groups, um, which is, it's fantastic to know that. It is, and I get that is really interesting in terms of that you don't just have, you don't just tackle mental health stigma in one area. If you know about it, you can do it in loads of different areas. It's the same kind of principles apply, and do we see that so much, don't we, in when we're sharing people's stories and when we're getting them out there, particularly in workplaces, but we can see quite often the impact that it has on the individuals, not just that they're doing it as a job or part of their role. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that that's the the amazing thing about the power of lived experience is that those stories resonate and stay with you and you remember them. Um, and it's something that you can you can apply to you know whether it's workplaces or friends or family. Um, it's something that you can you can use to tackle stigma in all walks of life as well. I thought when you went in with that D, you were going to say that really shows the power of okay and just go and <laughs> interrupt with one of our. Oh darn it! I should have done that. Uh, <laughs> Lincoln yeah. straight in. We should, yeah. <laughs> Just try and do that for now and just drop in as many different campaigns as you can. Yeah, I might puns. just I might just do that as like a running joke throughout the throughout the podcast yeah. series. Yeah, do it as a little kind of competition we promote on Twitter, seeing who can hear as many campaigns that D drops subtly into the conversation. Oh, that has given me some ideas. Ideas. <laughs> it's okay to do that. Um, nice. Thanks, thanks. I was hoping someone yeah. would notice. <laughs> check out check out our it's okay campaign and power of okay <laughs> from see me um but anyway getting off topic patty um what are some of the kind of main ways that we see stigma and discrimination happening in workplaces what are the sort of things that people should be looking out for in their own workplace 
think um, we can start with stigma because obviously stigma and discrimination are two different things. The stigma is basically the attitudes and perceptions that other colleagues and your managers and you know if we're talking um, about customers uh, they have and then discrimination is the actions that fall on the back of that that actually can have a negative impact on uh, people's lives and also uh, limit the the opportunities that they have. So some of the things that we see um, or we hear from people with lived experience in uh, relation to stigma in the, in the workplace is to do with conversations. So for example, colleagues uh, using names that are um, you know, very stereotypical. Uh, so they will say things like, oh, you know, um, don't talk to her because she is mental or you know, I'm very OCD about this. They just use some terminology in a way that people not necessarily feel supported because you can imagine for someone who experienced um, obsessive compulsive disorder and you know and perhaps is living with it in silence and not telling people at work hearing comments like oh i'm a bit ocd about this or um you know i'm i'm schizophrenic about this meaning two different you know um kind of uh, minds uh, that can be very detrimental for people. So what we're trying to encourage um, people in the workplace is to stop using those stereotypical, you know, um, uh, descriptions and start thinking about the person and really trying to open conversations and be more positive and helping people to realize that actually, you know, those are just stigmatizing um, attitudes and, and what you're doing is not helping them recover or become part of the culture in the organization, be more inclusive. Um, in terms of discrimination, you see this um, attitude, particularly from line managers about mental health, um, particularly in relation to uh, depression or, you know, um, more long term conditions that almost like they are perceived as blocks to people's careers um, in terms of development opportunities. Um, sometimes it comes from a place of, I think is protecting people from potentially taking on more workload or more pressure. But that is again, a stigmatizing attitude. You're not giving people the choice to think for themselves and to explain, to sense check what I might feel like. Instead, you're cutting off that opportunity for a person uh, to explore and to really take forward. The same for returning to work, for example, if you've been unwell for a period and been away from work, discrimination could be uh, getting that person to come in exactly where, you know, where that person was before leaving because they're not take into consideration the needs anymore of, of that person, you're basically um, just, just getting them uh, into a place where they can no longer do their job and you're discriminating them on the basis of their you know, uh, mental health, they're not being supported, you're cutting off those opportunities from them. Yeah, and I get a lot of that I think is interesting that you brought up, that it comes from, I think at least, just that lack of education and people saying things like, oh, um, a little bit OCD or things like that and I don't think people realize quite often the impact that has on if someone is struggling with OCD and has that as a condition how that's gonna feel and how that might feel like it's really belittling what is an incredibly serious condition for them that massively impacts on their lives and I, and yeah when you say there as well how people they're trying to show that they care but maybe not doing it in the right way because they're actually taking away people's decisions and choices to be able to by just taking work off them or or kind of just supporting the wrong way and how important it is that we can educate people and 
and get in there and make a difference. And at Claire D, do you think that people, do you think that is an issue? Like quite often, people sort of inadvertently stigmatise mental health because they just don't know. And more people should look up and actually have a bit of a better understanding. Yeah, I think you know there there is a there is an issue with people being aware of what they're saying is is stigmatising, and it might you know it might just be you know, a throwaway comment um, now and then, but that kind of overall contributes to a, a culture that, um, you know, it can be not as supportive as, as, as it could be um, and kind of makes people scared to say, oh, actually, I'm not okay, because even, you know, even in, in a circumstance where it might just be a throwaway comment or a joke, you know, you don't know how that's going to impact other people and I think just being able to to have those conversations and say oh you know maybe maybe we don't talk about mental health in this way why don't we try doing it um that way instead and I think it's I think it is difficult because what people one person might find stigmatizing another might not and but having a having kind of open uh, culture and conversations around it definitely makes it easier to to get to that point yeah and I think you touched on it there Dee about the culture as well and that's there's a huge part of it in the workplace um and if you can get that culture right and what you're talking about about language and um attitudes and that's that's um yeah a huge part of changing the workplace is attitude if it were if if you can move towards a more inclusive and open environment Yeah, and I think it's important as well, you know, that there's no one-size-fits-all answer and different workplaces will have different ways of of doing that and not being scared to make a mistake and not being scared to say, oh, actually, no, I didn't know that about that mental health condition or, oh, I didn't realise, you know, that that language was maybe discriminatory or, um, you know, that that has impacted somebody that way and, and not feeling... Um, like you're doing something wrong because I think that's a, a big part of it as well is that people are worried that they're going to say the wrong thing or um, that they're going to you know negatively impact somebody else so you know kind of taking that fear of having conversations away so that people can learn and grow and, and apply that to to the culture more widely as well. I also think that it's to do with employers setting the conditions. So you were talking about education I think it's completely about education I remember um, I mean I'm I'm you know, I have used in the past before I joined Simi, I didn't know better, you know, and I, I did say probably, you know, at some point I'm a bit OCD about something. But then I went, I remember very clearly going to um, the OCD conference. It was my first time in that environment. It was part of my Simi role in my induction. And I remember going there and hearing the experiences of people that changed completely my my mind the way I was you know perceiving the condition and I think it's to do with I'm very honest about about my experience uh, understanding more um, mental health and different conditions and my responsibility uh, you know leading a not just one program but two within CME and for me it's very important to educate myself and I hope that through our programs we're helping people particularly in workplaces to educate themselves and to see the need to educate um, staff. And you were talking about peer support. Peer support is key in helping people create those conditions where fear is not a, you know, is, is not a block where people can really be honest about, you know, their experiences and can challenge each other constructively in terms of um, language and, you know, attitudes. And the same for social contact, social contact 
it's very important to help people that experience mental health stigma discrimination, particularly in the workplace, to be able to share you know, those, those stories and, and open the eyes of people that perhaps are not aware of what really certain conditions look like because they are just told from, you know, in a training course, what some of the, you know, indications that the, the symptoms might be, um, but they are, don't really fully understand what that means to live with certain conditions. I think some really interesting points and particularly do what you said as well about having the having open conversations and and linked in there with that's what see talking about mental health is something that we encourage people to do all the time and talk a lot and and it's not the kind of be all and end all it's not going to solve everything but that is a good example of where if people are talking more about mental health and the culture is more that it's okay to talk about that whether you're struggling whether you think someone else is struggling you want to have the confidence to reach out to them or just to talk about mental health as a kind of topic because that's a general thing that people are chatting about that's where it can make the difference that if someone doesn't understand why saying i'm a bit ocd or i'm feeling schizophrenic about something if they don't understand the impact that could have or why that could be discriminatory if you've got that open culture then people might be okay to ask oh why is that or is that the right thing to say or someone else might say to them actually here's why you might not want to say that and it not be a big deal or this big thing yeah and I think I think as well where that's where peer support um can be so powerful because it's it's giving people that space to ask questions and kind of removes um barriers which I think you know when you look at policy or you, or you look at kind of management that there, there is sometimes a barrier there with you know you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and people are kind of like oh well okay but you know why um and being able to you know that can be quite scary and alien for people and so they're scared to to ask these questions where you know if you've got people kind of sharing lived experience and giving people a chance to open up um you know it's it's a lot less intimidating I think for people to yeah, I think so, and, and peer support obviously is something we're going to come on to chat about more with what, what Gary's done about there. But before we do, Patty, are there any, what are some of the most kind of effective things that you've seen that have tackled stigma and discrimination in the workplace or have helped workplaces to change their cultures, um, either through getting involved with things they've done with us or just in general things that they've come up with themselves as well that you've actually seen then making a difference that other people could do as well? I think... Um campaigns is a clear one if you're talking about peer support and getting that buy in from the employer to create those those spaces where people can actually um have open conversations um i know uh, for a fact that some of the employers engaging in our program and um, in the CME and work program which is specifically for employers to take action um i think the power of okay is a very strong uh, campaigns, the, the videos can really open conversations. I'm, um, I'm pretty sure Gary used the videos to create uh, that kind of movement internally. Even like using the this the sign "Okay" with your fingers, uh, that was something that they used to, um, to be able to to identify who was comfortable you know, with a picture on their desk to have conversations. Um, also, time to talk day is a key one for employers. They feel um, employees can be part of wider conversations, not necessarily within just their workplace, but be part of something uh, bigger. And also, you were mentioning education, um, taking 
the e-learning module that we have for employees to um, look at the impact that stigma and discrimination can have on people and their colleagues, that has opened the eyes to a lot of people. But I think the most efficient ways uh, for, for companies and, and businesses to open their, um, their kind of culture to speaking about mental health stigma and discrimination and, and ending stigma and discrimination is actually um, to create the conditions for policies, for disclosures, for training, for you know conversations, for managers that are able to support people and have those conversations like boats to support. So it's more structured, uh, but there's always a role for everybody within a workplace to actually take action. Um, it doesn't matter if it's just leaders taking action, if employees themselves, they're not supporting colleagues, then that's not going to help. Uh, so you need everything. You need top down and, and bottom up approaches um, to their, yeah, the, I would say campaigns, education and leadership commitment is probably. Yeah, um, that's brilliant. And a great amount of campaign name dropping so you're ahead of D yeah you did well <laughs> I was giving I was giving D the entry point for more and campaign you know what Patty <laughs> Patty it's people like you that really make, <laughs> really make oh, this podcast people like <laughs> well done <laughs> that was a good were you thinking of that the whole time or just not the whole <laughs> time most of the time <laughs> <laughs> no it's getting I get some of the like Times Talk Day is a great one for encouraging people to talk and to share stories and has a lot of that peer support element, uh, which going to come on to is Gary, as well as loads of the stuff he's done in his workplace. He has started his own men's peer support group, Mind the Men, which meets in Glasgow. And it's I think he speaks a lot about the real impact that's had on some of the guys who have gone there who have found when they're first gone they've not wanted to talk they've just wanted to go they've wanted to listen they've not felt comfortable talking about their own mental health but as the time there has gone on they felt more and more comfortable to share their stories to open up to ask other people questions and again it's it's not a workplace but it, it shows similar to how we were saying earlier if you've got if you know about mental health you know about stigma and discrimination you can apply that to different circumstances it's similar to like in a workplace if you had a lot of people that feeling confident talking about it then the ones who weren't might then start to feel more confident talking themselves too and it's great to see the impact that that group is having and it's and it's been growing all the time as well Claire when we were down there chatting to Gary you kind of didn't I got a real sense of the the pride he had had in starting that and it's had such a big impact hasn't it on um on the men who take part yeah most definitely uh you could see it coming through his face it was really nice um how it started from what I think was quite a small group to just increasing increasing um I think it's really important that that sense of peer support and it's um it's just obviously built on those shared experiences and there's there's an empathy in the room that can relate and value each other's experiences and learn from them and as you said um build up that confidence to be able to speak yourself as well. Um, I think that the best story he gave me on the day, which I think is in his interview, is that I think at one of his support groups, it was him, his dad and his granddad all sitting together speaking about mental health. And he's like, there's no way, like ten, a couple of years ago, that you would have ever told me that that would have happened. And 
We still don't speak about it very much outside of this group, but the group is that safe space that we can come and not only them, but multiple people come in to, um, to chat and to open up and just get that sense of sense of um, togetherness, I presume, at that and that bigger support network out with your family and friends, colleagues, um, just additional support network. Yeah, it's great, and um, is where one of many good stories that Gary's got. So we will play that interview in now. Um, this is Gary McDonald, one of our champions, uh, workplace partners, and he's speaking about yeah his journey through challenging stigma and discrimination a whole load of different ways across Scotland. Um, I wanted to focus on the workplace. I work for the Department of Working Pensions. It's a big department, lots of staff. And we were going through some changes in, in well-being and mental health was really something we wanted to develop. So I could see the potential that was there and I could see that there was an eagerness to support staff well-being at work, you know, and I believe that if you if you are in work and you're able to, you know, be supported put your mental health, um, it can be really beneficial to, to everybody. So that was my kind of initial focus was first of all doing things like pass the badge, um, you know, we had um, various kind of meetings and events where I introduced CME into the into the department, um, which then led to me working with the CME and work team to develop the CME and work program, which we spent about a year, year and a half working to develop the action plan for our for our district. So you started that bit through those little campaigns like the Pass the Badge within the workplace. Yeah, initially yeah. it was just to kind of make people aware of who CME were. Some people uh -huh. knew, others didn't. So we kind of started. Um, so we also worked with the Healthy Working Lives team as well. Um, and as part of that, to get our gold award, we introduced, you know, the the See Me Pass the Badge campaign. We we shared over a thousand badges actually, um, which was great, you know, to kind of get the word out there. Um, so working with some well-being champions within the department, just raising awareness, getting the posters up. Um, I shared the Power of OK video. Every meeting I would go to, I would talk about that. Uh, that went round down really well, really sort of caught people's imagination. Um, and then, as I say, that kind of grew to thinking how can we take this to the next level and to do that then we decided that we would work with CME with the CME and work program which was quite a big undertaking because we had 22 um, job centres within my district and that was quite big for me and big for, for CME as well I think but we started off by working with our senior leadership team to get them to agree that this was something that they would want to introduce and very quickly they, they could um, accept that it was a good, a good move so that's where we kind of started with the, the program. Wow, it's so a lot bigger than I even knew it was as well. That's a lot of district, a well, lot of centres in the district. There was um, about eight hundred and eighty staff wow. in the district, um, all over Glasgow and you know outer Glasgow. So it was a big, mm -hmm. big area, one of the biggest districts in Scotland for for job centres. Um, so it was a big undertaking, you know, to to involve all these people. Um, and as I say, I think it was quite a big undertaking for CME as well, you know. So it was it was quite challenging. Um, but we, we gave it a go and, and it's been really successful. You spoke there a little bit about um, getting the buy-in from senior management. Um, do you mind um, just talking a little bit more about that, about how you maybe helped to influence that decision? Yeah, so at, at the time my job had changed, so I've, I've done various jobs within Job Centre. I've not always worked there, but when I've, since I've worked there I've been a, a Job Centre manager, I've been a um, a, a partnership manager, you know, and, and recently I actually worked as a mental health community champion, which was, uh, sorry, a mental health community partner, 
community champions and my old job mixed up all the time. Anyway, I became a mental health community partner. And believe it or not, I actually used see me a lot in my interview for that. So I believe the jobs I'm now doing today have been through the impact of the course that I started with see me. It's really helped me progress in my career into an area that I really enjoy working in now. So I worked for um, just over a year as a see me. Sorry. <laughs> I worked. Too many. I worked for no, no. I can I'll see that get confusing. I, yeah. Sorry. I worked. <laughs> Too many communities. Oh, <laughs> oh good. Oh good. Right, okay. <laughs> I worked um I worked just over a year as, as a, a mental health community partner with the GWP and that was about supporting uh, staff's understanding about mental health resources so they could signpost effectively their customers to different organisations. Um so that was a really good job, but as I say the see me grounding that I had, the knowledge that I had with see me, the partnership I had with see me, I believe that really helped me to get the job to, you know, I was, when I went for the interview, I spoke about see me quite a lot. So that's been beneficial for me in that aspect. But you asked me about the senior leaders and how did I kind of get their buy-in? Well, it was around about the same time that the Thriving at Work report came out mm -hmm. from the government and that was looking at a 10-year plan to, to, to focus on the well-being of, of staff's mental well-being in the workplace. Um, so there was a report really to back up what we were trying to do and, and it also talked about the public sector being at the forefront of this. So working for the civil service, I was able to arm myself with this information and suggest this to them. But also I talked about the effects of people you know, losing their jobs or not being able to work due to poor mental health and some of the stats that come with that. So that was that was helpful. But really just the human aspect of it that you know affects all of us, whether you're a senior manager or you know um, at any grade in, in, in a department. So. It didn't take a lot of convincing, to be honest. Um, I also knew that when sometimes when you do something out with your actual immediate, immediate workplace, it can actually be beneficial to bring in an outside organisation, and that's proved really successful. That you know we, we we do various things internally, which is good, but also to bring in a partner can you know, add something different to the to the whole program. So that's 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 kind of how we did that. But very quickly they agreed to to work with see me and to. To work together over the next year to develop an action plan. That's great. And um, on that, you were talking about um, so just uh, um, there was that two aspects there. So there's the staff's mental well-being, and then there's also the customers yes. and um, what they might have experienced. And to be compassionate, there was that yeah. two sides that you did consciously looked at, or yeah. Um, there's, you've maybe heard of the changes within the welfare system over the last few years. We're now working with Universal Credit. That's meant there's a lot more customers who maybe we didn't engage with as, as frequently are now attending the job centres mm -hmm. to be supported. And because of that, um, there was some additional training that was going to come into the job centres, which would give every member of staff two days mental health training, which was a big undertaking and it was, it was really good and I was part of that as well. So for me and my colleagues, we thought, if we just land that training on its own, will that be really, will it, will it land properly, will it be beneficial? Yes, it will to a certain degree, but we've also got to consider the well-being and mental health of our staff. So we started, we, we, we really sort of ran in tandem, the See Me In work programme and the training we're doing with staff to support the customers. So it was a real focus on, yeah, we're helping our customers, but we're also helping our staff's well-being as well. And I think that gave us a really good buy-in from, from the staff. And I think when they went to their course, the two-day course to support the customers, because they had a better awareness about their own mental well-being, it really helped them. Yeah, definitely. And so it's not just 
we're not just doing it for them as well. No, no, it, it was for, for everybody because yeah. it was trying to sort of say it's not them and us, it's not. Yeah. Mental well health can affect the MD as we know. So to support the staff's well-being as well as the customers was, was good. It was really good. Yeah, definitely. I think it made people more aware, more, more compassionate, more empathetic, you know, and had a better understanding, you know, and, and then they're more aware then and willing to learn about the, the resources that are out there and, uh, and take away the fear factor as well that you don't have to, you're not expected to diagnose that person or fix that person. You're there to support them and signpost them and help them in that respect. By removing that fear, hopefully reducing stigma and oh, that was a key yeah. message, yeah. That the stigma, you know, that that we know exists, you know, in, in any walk of life, you know. So there was the, the openness that was created in the way that people were allowed to speak and talk and encourage, for example, managers to undertake training for because that's not always easy being a manager, knowing what to say or do. So there was training for managers as well. We created, um, I think, over 50 mental health first aiders within the district. So. You know, there was lots, lots of work was put into the action plan, and it, it continues to this day. I mean, working with working with CME in the workplace, as I said earlier, has helped me personally. You know, it's helped me understand mental health much better. It's helped me look after my own well-being a lot better. It's given give me some great contacts to to call on at times to support me and support my colleagues. Um, but it has helped me in my career. You know, I've taken a different route, I think, than I maybe I did or thought about doing maybe a few years ago. Um, I had said earlier I became a mental health community partner, get it right this time. Um, my job now is I'm now a, a health and wellbeing manager within the job centre, which is a new role that's been created in, in the last the last year. So I cover a large district from Renfrew up to Oban and Campbelltown and supporting staff's wellbeing and that's my main focus now, which is which is great to do. So I think again, going back to see me and just the relationship I've had with them, it's really helped me develop my career personally. Amazing. Thank you very much. And oh, and I won an award. <laughs> oh yeah, last year <laughs> I was nominated for a for an award for a community community champion award. Again, too many champions. <laughs> Is that another too champion many again? <laughs> <laughs> so this was a civil service award for community champions, and uh, I was nominated for the work that I'd done within the district, working with CME to improve uh, mental well-being and to reduce stigma and discrimination. And I, I won the award, so I was I flew down to London with my wife last December, and we attended a, a very fancy do, and was presented with the award. So it was a great achievement, and again, it goes back to the work that I've done with CME. In terms of the men gr men's group, so we've got um, what made you want to start your own men's peer support group? I had met some. I was always interested in, in support for everybody, but particularly I was finding more and more that men were struggling, talking about their mental health and opening up, you know, and personally I found that for many years I hadn't opened up much about my own mental health and um, so something was always there and I had met some men's groups at various events that I'd attended, I think volunteering for CME probably at times, I think it was at the recovery walk up in Dundee a couple of years ago and had met a group called Andy's Man Club, mm -hmm. found out more about what they did and they met with men and supported men's wellbeing, it was a suicide prevention group um, and then one of my colleagues who worked with CME had going forward to set up a group in up in Oban um, and we spoke about it and he said I think you would be really you know interested in doing something like this as well so um, I thought about it as well um, and about the same time um, in the April of last year sadly my young cousin um, took his own life um, and obviously that was a very very difficult time for the family and friends and we were all devastated um, so after the funeral and after a few weeks you know I thought this seems like really the right time to take forward and 
creating start a man's club, you know, in Glasgow because I couldn't really find anything in the Glasgow area that was there specifically to support men. Mental health, yes, but also their their well being and also to prevent suicide if we could. So the groups are men only and it allows them then to speak with other men and very quickly the men see that they're not alone and that's probably the most important thing. They're, they're not alone in how they feel and often when they come through the door first of all probably they feel that they're the only person in the world that feels like this and what's wrong with them and very quickly they see when other men open up who've maybe been coming for a few weeks that it's okay to talk, it's okay to open up and share and, and be human. So um, that's really powerful as the name suggests, you know, we're about you know, it's about our minds, men's minds, but also about looking out for our, our fellow men. So that's why we, we came up with the name Mind the Men. Um, and it's gone from strength to strength. It's been absolutely fantastic, you know, how we've increased our, our following, we've increased our um, our groups. So we've now got two groups in Glasgow. Um, we're averaging between 13 and 40 men attending every, every week, which I've been told by other, you know, groups, third sector groups, that's you know, one of the, the highest kind of turnouts each week to a kind of voluntary group like this, you know. Um, people always ask, how do we do it? You know, and, it, and it's a lot of even word of mouth and support from organisations like See Me promoting what we do. A lot of good social media um, support as well. We've got a Facebook page, we're on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and just lots of organisations, NHS, doctors, um, third sector organisations, job centres, you know, MD that has, well, MD that and engages with men, I suppose, you know, and a lot of our followers are female, which is great. We're not we're not anti ladies, you know. We have lovely supporters who help us and promote um wives, girlfriends, partners who support us all along the way. Um but I think people realise that it works, you know, and it's good to have this safe place for men. I mean eventually one day we we don't want to have a group like this. We want it to be that it's okay in society to just be able to talk to your mate or somebody that about your feelings, about how your your challenges you know, but until that is able to happen, this is a start, you know, and some of the men come for a wee while and then they feel that they're okay then maybe not to come, and then they're always welcome to come back to the club whenever it suits them, so that's that's okay as well. But, you know, when the guys come, as I say, they've, we've seen guys that have come the first night and not maybe said too much, and maybe their head's down, and it's just kind of a wee bit unsure, but really after a couple of questions, um, they start to open up, most people, and... We've got people now that have been here since we started that still come to the club and they, they tell us that, you know, how much it's improved them, you know, in, in life, how, many, how much they, they felt more confident and they really encourage, they're the advocates for the club, they encourage the new guys that come through the door and they reassure them that, you know, keep coming, keep keep coming, it won't happen overnight but keep coming and listen to what gets said and, you know, open up and you will be supported and it's very, it's confidential, everything that gets said in the room stays in the room so, you know, that's something that we honour. Um, so, yeah, there's been general feedback. People have told me things like they've maybe started volunteering, they've maybe start left, left the house, they've joined another club, they've been out walking. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to validate exactly, you know, but some men have told us that they're here today because of the club. You know, many men have told us that they were, they were thinking about suicide, they didn't know what else to do, they hadn't been able to get help anywhere else, they're maybe on a waiting list to see a counsellor, which we know can be up to six months. So having a place they can come to and speak is, has been really, for some of them I say it's life-saving, it has been life-saving. Yeah, um, so it's not only the mental health stigma, but it's the suicidal ideation stigma around that as well. And absolutely. Not, not every man that comes to the club will tell us they have poor mental health, but they can still be suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, for some of the men it might be social isolation, there's different things. But um, 
the end of the day, if there's men with challenges that want to share and, and find a place like this that's safe that they can, then we're, we're, we welcome all men to the club in a few days' time and think, oh, remember what he said? And that helps me in situations. So, yeah, it does feel good to know that we're, we're helping people. I always talk about why we started the club and it always goes back to me personally losing my cousin through suicide and how it impacted my family. Now, my cousin Grant, his dad comes, my uncle comes, and my dad comes to the club. Now, if you'd asked me a few years ago, well, would I ever be sitting in a room talking to my dad and my uncle about how we're feeling? I would have said, no way. So that's for me, is really powerful, and it lets us share things that we maybe wouldn't have shared before because it's the right environment. Um, so that's been good, you know, and yeah, it's great. Every week we meet new men, and new men come through the door, and to see that person suddenly open up and suddenly feel that life is worth living, you know, and there are things that can get better, that's really powerful, you know, that makes us, you know, want to continue and build and, and grow, so, so yes, it's, it is really rewarding doing what we do, and we love the club, and we're very protective of the club, and protective of our men, and, you know, uh, and supportive of our men, so, uh, it's fantastic, yeah. What's your highlights of volunteering for CME, and what's the thing that you're most proud of? Um, the highlights of volunteering to see me, so I suppose I, I did my first pass the badge, I remember, and, and it was it was quite quite different, quite unusual, quite scary. But when I started engaging with people and talking about why I was passing this badge, first of all, I didn't want any money from them. I just wanted them to pass a badge. And then it created a conversation and it was good. And then people started to open up about things that you just met this person two minutes ago and they start talking to you about different challenges. And it just showed me, like, you know, how easy it is for us to open up. We just don't always do it. or don't have the opportunity. So that was good. The very first time I did, I passed the badge with the team. And as I said earlier, you know, just meeting good people, nice people, <laughs> people that you feel you can share things with. You know, I've opened up with my friend Des uh, McMillan from from Oban about things that I haven't spoken to, but with other people, you know, that I've known for a lot longer. So it's finding people who are like-minded, which is great. Um, most proud of for me has, I suppose, in the workplace, the changes that I feel that see me help me make in the workplace, I was really proud of. But most of all, the club, the men's club that I've that I've started with with John Baines, the two of us started this last September, and it's grown and it's grown, you know, and it's that's our proudest moment. But would that have happened had I not been with see me? I don't know if it would because see me gave me the confidence and the. You know the chain and the grounding to understand more about mental ill health, about stigma and discrimination, to be passionate and to be compassionate and to, to fight and to stand up and speak for people that don't have a voice. You know it kind of creates monsters, but we're good monsters. <laughs> well, my next question is really interesting, and it's it's really we're basing this on the social movement and this movement throughout Scotland and whether you feel like you're part of a bigger movement. But I think for for what you've told me, there's the CME movement, but you've also started your own movement. And do you feel part of something bigger? I do, I do. Um, you know, it's great when you go to other parts of Scotland and you you see somebody wearing a CME badge, and straight away it's like you're you know about CME, and you've got something to talk about, and you just think right. So it's good to identify people that way. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's we're all there's lots of movements around about mental mental health and well-being and such, but it's, it should be a bigger movement, it should be something that everybody's involved in, that everybody wants you know, to support each other, so you know, I think it's great that we have the programmes like in the schools, 
you know, because if we start young with our children and, and create better well-being for them as, as young children, then they'll become positive adults who will support each other, you know. So I love that CME branches out into different areas and supports different people and they've been really supportive of us, you know, as an organisation that promoted what we do. Um, so, yeah, you do feel part of a movement, you know, you do feel proud that um, you meet different people from different groups all the time and it's good to share different experiences And but we're all in a well-being, mental well-being stigma stigma free movement aren't we so it's, mm. it's all good okay so that was gary speaking there and a really interesting insight from gary about how it's kind of working in with see me and in mental health and having that passion from his own personal point of view has really helped him develop i guess throughout his career but also with the people he works at and really shows the impact of having everyone in it together can really make a difference as well um really interesting part that we're thinking uh, when we had the discussion earlier and listening to Gary is about how with mental health stigma and discrimination it's not it's not the case always that it's like you are acting badly and this is how you act good and you are doing bad and this is how you do good it's it can be about people doing quite well-intentioned things that are then unintentionally discriminating or people just not knowing um, or people want to make a difference but they don't know how so they haven't done yet um, but they do want to and they do care. And Patty, is that something that, that we see in workplaces, that people do want to do something positive, but they maybe don't always know how to or they've gone about things in a, a bit the wrong way or something like that? Yeah, I think it's. I think it goes back to education and open conversations and having social contact opportunities for people, uh, particularly in workplaces, to hear from colleagues, if possible, about how it feels like to be in a in a workplace and not being able to to talk to your colleagues about how you feel, and, and perhaps um, opening the opportunity for um, people to ask questions about what it's like to live with a, a specific condition, so that they can uh, break down some of the uh, societal, if you like. Um, barriers um, and common language that people use to describe certain conditions. We were talking about OCD before. Um, if if someone felt like uh, challenging someone saying, oh, I, I, you know, I left my, my keys and I don't know, I, I had to check three times uh, for my keys. I'm a bit OCD about leaving the house without checking my keys. That, you know, that could, could be OCD or it could not be, but you not being able to have that conversation with someone and and if I was there and I had a very extreme case of OCD and I'm not able to to have that conversation and say actually when you say that this is how it makes me feel because this is what it's like for me uh, you know and then the other person might say well actually yeah you're right you know I, I, I didn't realize that that was making you feel like that and um, it's these spaces where people feel comfortable talking to each other about you know what it's like and learning and being um, curious in a, in a positive way in terms of actually you know, I read a, a news article about someone living with schizophrenia, but I don't know anything about it. I don't even know if there's someone in my team that could experience that. And I'm going to go on Monday, for example, and ask, you know, have a conversation with my team about, have you seen this? And encourage people to see or to read that article. Um, I think we can all take, you know, um, an, an active role in, in making sure that we educate each other and, and going through peer support is, is probably the best way to do that. Um, but I think it goes back to remembering that people are not out to get other people or to be, you know, no one gets up in the morning and say, I'm going to stigmatize my colleagues. I want to think that no one does that. So we have to assume that it's either lack of knowledge or really people not paying attention to how other people maybe react. 
So I would just encourage everyone to be a bit more, you know, thoughtful and maybe more, you know, observing a bit more the, the behavior of colleagues when they talk to each other. So you can sense check, you know, when you say something, if, if someone perhaps need, needs a bit of conversation around that. That's great. Definitely. And I think a very strong point to leave that on there. So again, if you want to check out the the journey of the social movement, the report that, that Gary helped us and was part of, and this podcast is themed around, then it's report.cmescotland.org and you can find out information on the social movement there. If you are looking to do stuff in workplaces uh, on our website seemescotland.org there's loads of workplace information there um, some really interesting resources as well about how to start conversations we've got our let's chat tool on there uh, which has got some scenarios of with a manager and employee on how to have conversations and chat and our e-learning's got lots of scenarios for colleagues talking to each other and well, good things to do, things to avoid, stuff like that. So if you're looking for information, you can find that all there. So um, thanks so much for joining us for that, Patty. Really appreciate it. No worries. It's a pleasure. Uh, and Claire as well. Always good to have you along. Yeah, thanks. It was great to speak about it again. <laughs> and the uh, name-dropping co-host, Dee. Always, always nice for the chat. Yeah, yeah. I'm just part of the furniture, just here. Just <laughs> in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you very much, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.